Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor. Don't like your odds? Enjoy daily bet boosts on your favourite sports and make your best bet now at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Hello Chelsea supporters, here at the Blue Day podcast, I am delighted to welcome this individual on the show today. He made 171 appearances for the club, scoring five goals. He won the second division championship in 1989 and the full members cup with the club in 1990. Plus he played with the likes of Dave Besson, Kerry Dixon and Dennis Wise. Here is Gareth Hall. Gareth, welcome to the Blue Day podcast. How are you doing? Very well, Keith. Thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation. It'd be good to chat. No, Gareth, the, the pleasure's all mine. I'd love to start the interview if I can by sort of going back to sort of your early days and talking mm. about who or what influenced you to become a professional footballer. Yeah, of course, that's going back, Keith, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> that's going to rack my brains. Um, I think, you know, in the early 80s when I was kind of in my like teen years, really. I think I looked at whether the top Liverpool team at the time. So my influences would have been people like Dalglish and Souness and people like that. And then once I got into football and started, and obviously the local area, then you start you get into players that are playing locally as well. So it's um, they would have been my starting point, really. And then it's not really, because you're taking, football takes over your life a little bit when you get into like 16, 15 and you're into school. And then when I started joining joined Chelsea, I think probably 86 I joined as a professional at 17 or probably earlier than that as a schoolboy. So probably about 16. Uh, and then you get into the first team players like John Bumstead and Colin Pates and people like that and Kerry and, and David Speedy. And then they they sort of become your idols, really. And, and you're kind of guys that you looked up to to kind of move on, move your career on. And what did they do in training and how did they kind of behave and stuff like that? So it was... Um, that was kind of my progress really into football, but 
you know, obviously my dad was a key to it as well and, and the, the kind of pusher and he drove us everywhere and stuff. So, um, yeah, two or three kind of individual people football-wise, like I say, Dalglish and, and Sunes and, and the successful teams at the time, really. So, yeah, that's kind of how it started for me, really. When you was going through the ranks at Chelsea, what was sort of your favourite yeah. position? Was it always going to be at right back or right midfield? What what position did you feel that you could be good at? Yeah, I, I was just comfortable playing anyway. I just wanted to play football at that stage. I think right. most boys would say that at 16, 17, you know, we just wanted to play in the games. And I suppose when you start off at Chelsea, I mean, I made, I came on the sub, I think John Hollins was, when I first joined, obviously, um, John Neal was manager. I didn't have a lot to do with John because I was so young, but uh, my first proper manager really was John Hollins. So John gave me my debut. I came on at Plough Lane against Wimbledon. Thanks. Cheers, John, for that one. Um, <laughs> and obviously when Vinny and Fash and people like that were all on, on the pitch, so I came on as a 17-year-old and it's like, you know, it's, it opens your eyes. So, um and that's that was the starting point for me, and then obviously moved on to having aspirations of being successful in the reserves, and then you know you're moving on, and your you, your target is to get in the first team and stay in there. So um, that's how it all really started for me at Chelsea. Uh, um, yeah, so I'll talk we'll go back your to your debut. question again. So I didn't really answer your question there, did I? Probably. No, no, no. That's fine. I want to talk about your debut in a minute, but what was it like, yeah. sort of, it, going back to the time when you was. You know, part of the Chelsea Academy, which is a lot different to what it is now, and going yeah, through the right. reserves. What was it yeah. like for you back then? Sort of, was there anybody in particular that was able to provide you the support you needed to then go through the different stages at Chelsea? What sort of other teammates was there for you in terms of you know having good friendships with on and off the pitch? Yeah, I mean, we started off, I mean, I played at sort of 15, 16, like, and Gwyn Williams spotted me playing for Meadow Sports out in Woking. Um, and that's how I, I, I he invited me to Chelsea. I'd previously been to Tottenham. I trained, trained at Tottenham. Um, we you know, got the tube up there with David Howes and played for them on a Sunday. I went to Aston Villa and they wanted to be, me to sign Tottenham. I went to Aston Villa for a three-week training camp in the summer. They wanted me to sign as an apprentice. And then the last one, my dad said, right, Chelsea, what do you want to do? They're training on Tuesday night. Do you want to go and, and get involved? I said, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so again, you know, we get up there and obviously the Tottenham, the Villa stuff, it was all a bit big and, you know, you get well looked after and it's fantastic. Got to Chelsea, it was like getting the minibus. We're across the Battersea Park. We're, we're training on the Red Ash. Um, there's a bit of kit. Um crack on. It was one of those, you know, it was like, just get on with it. And you're training against lads that were probably oh, Mickey Bodley and people like that. They were like two or three years older. So you're thrown into the mix. But what I remember is sitting in that minibus on the way back after training and thinking it was such a laugh. Keith, do you know what I mean? It was like, it was football, but it was, they were all getting on with each other and it was a laugh and they were taking a Mickey and, and all that kind of stuff. And I really loved that atmosphere. And I went home and told my dad and he was like really surprised. He's going, what, you're not going to go to Villa or you, you don't know? He goes, listen, I'll leave it up to you, whatever you want. I, anyway, I had two or three more training sessions through Battersea Park and through Gwyn. And to be fair, Gwyn, he was really good with us, you know, as young kids. He was um, always looked out for us, talked to the parents and make sure everything was spot on. And, you know, he didn't make any promises. You know, he said, if you do well and you, you set your stall out and, and train hard, then you'll get rewarded. And um, 
after two or three more weeks going to Chelsea and training on that red ash at Battersea Park, which was crackers, uh, <laughs> I just said to the old man, I said, I want to sign. And um, Gwyn was made up and then we just, we signed and got on with it from there, really. You know, it was, um, there was no, you know, going back then, I mean, Billy Dodds was my age as well. And the guys behind me, like David Lee and Graham Stewart, they came obviously a little bit later. But anyone that was there, it was Ian Braithwaite was there, Stokely Sawyers, people like that. I'm going back now, so you might not know them, but um, probably before you were born, Keith, maybe. Just a little bit, yes. Just a little bit. But these were good lads, and they were like London lads, and there was no airs and graces. It was like, you know, if you can play, you can play. And obviously, after a few sessions, they realised I was quite good. So you kind of get your teammates on your side that way, don't you? So, um, yeah, we. so I signed for them, and and... The rest is history, really. Yeah. Do I regret it? Not one bit. You know, you could have gone to Tottenham, you could have gone to the Villa. Things might have panned out a little bit differently, but I wouldn't have changed anything for the world, to be fair, because obviously my time at Chelsea, especially in the early years when we had a really nice group of lads. And to be fair, everyone was nice, but it was like, they're all good players. Mm. And Gwyn was finding people and we, we had some we had some really good players come through. And obviously it was older ones to us who Gwyn had worked on as well, like Keith Jones, um, uh, Keith Dublin, Phil Priest, people like that. They were really good players in my eye, in my eyes. And um, so it was good. It was a good place to be, a healthy place to be. And the product of the production line, sorry, of youth team players was was really healthy. Um, so that's 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 my early story at Chelsea. And then you kind of you play in the reserves and get into the first team. And then you kind of it's just fantastic, you know, just fantastic. But over and above anything else. And it wasn't really, there was there was no, it's different now, like obviously 16, 17 year olds, they're getting absolute fortunes. Money was never like, I don't think I even, it never came into my head, you know, it was all about playing football. I'm playing for Chelsea, that's it, bang. And the money was separate really. Yeah, of course, we, in the end, you kind of get looked after, but you got to go out and earn it a little bit, you know? So, um, it was good. It was good. Like I say, I wouldn't change it for the world. And yeah, I'd like said, the money, but you can't have it all, can you, Keith? You know? No, you certainly can't. And you said earlier that you made your debut against Wimbledon. Um, it was quite late in the season as well, in, in 86, 87. When did That's you right, know yeah. that you was going to be in the squad? And did you get any sort of prep talk from John Hollins at all during that sort of weekend? No, not really. No, I think I've been... I don't know whether I've been sub in the previous game. I'm not sure. But um, I thought I might be sub. And then and you kind of go with the squad and there's obviously a couple of people that get left out of the of the subs. And I don't have any subs going back then. It's probably only about three subs um, at that time. So, um, yeah, I was named sub and no, nothing was said, really. It was it was literally like, get on with it, you know? Obviously, it was tactics and stuff like that you listen to and where you, who you're marking at a corner and stuff like that. But it was very natural. It was a little like they, you've just felt that... John had trust in me that he, the fact that he was putting me on the pitch meant that to me that he had trust in me to do well. And that was, that was more than enough, you know? And I don't think sometimes you don't, things don't need to be said, you know? So, you know, John Hollins, you know what I mean? A Chelsea legend, FA Cup winner, Cup winners, Cup winner. He's putting you on the pitch and I'm 17 years of age. So if he's seen something in me, happy days, isn't it? You know? Of course, and it wasn't until November of that year that you that you started your first game for Chelsea. It was against Derby County. Yeah, was it sort of looking back then? Was it a case of you biding your time, waiting for the opportunity to arise 
to the point where when the opportunity came, you would grasp it with both hands. Yeah, you see, like you just want to play well, Keith. You know, you just want to get in there and do well for yourself because all the training you've done, and you just think that you know, at some point, you're going to have to play in these games, and it's it's sink or swim. That's 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 how it was then. You know, fortunately for me, when I played at Derby, Clive Wilson was playing in front of me, and I, I think it was live on the telly. I think on a Sunday afternoon, and I only knew the night before that I was playing. So obviously, I played, and I think we lost the game two 0 in the end. But that's right. Yeah. I felt I had a good game. Felt I had a good game. I think I think I've still got the I still got the video of that VHS on it. So, but um, I thought I'd done all right in the game. My best mate at the time, Vaughan Ryan, who was playing for Wimbledon, who watched the game, and he phoned me up like on the way home and just said. Oh, Gareth, I thought he'd done really well in the game. So that was enough for me to go, oh, mm. you know what I mean? It was enough. But Clive Wilson was brilliant that day because he was a left footer playing on my side. And he was like, you know, he just filled every space, blocked up, you know, didn't sort of covered me, make sure that I wasn't put under too much pressure. But that's that's Clive, to be fair, top lad, top player, you know. And um, as a young lad, he looked after me, which and he probably would have been in the same situation when he made his debut for Man City and stuff. So... Mm. You know, these um, you always look up to your older, your senior pros, and uh, he done very well for me that day. And I enjoyed the game, and just thought, you know, this is where I want to be. You know, as as much as possible. Because in that right back spot as well, you was competing with Steve Clark. How good of a yeah. player was he? Because a lot of people now seem to sort of just remember him as a coach, whether it was at Chelsea or in other mm. clubs. Not many people remember him as a player. How how good was he? For Chelsea, yeah, he was a good, yeah, he was kind of different. Like he was a, probably a bombing fullback, really, slightly different to myself. I mean, I played, I did end up playing a, a lot of games in midfield as well at, at some stage for Chelsea, um, uh, especially in uh, a few for Bobby Campbell and Dave Webb and Glenn. So I played in midfield. So he was a different type of player, really. Probably, you know, probably a little bit more offensive than myself, I would say. So probably better on the eye. Um, but a good player, nevertheless, obviously. Um, and then obviously a good servant for Chelsea as well. So, yeah, that was that competition. But as a young lad, you kind of don't get into it. You know, it's, you want to you wanna be in there all the time, but you've got to realise that it's a big club and, you know, team's going to change at times. So you just roll with it. And I ended up being at Chelsea for quite a while. So, um, you know, it's, you're in there and um, you're involved. So it's it was nothing personal, obviously. However, though, the club was quite inconsistent that particular season and it was oh, yeah. the club getting relegated through the divisional playoff. Mm. Do you remember much about this particular era at Chelsea? You know, because we did have um, John Cody on the show recently mm. and mm. he was referencing that the, the team or the squad was fractured. There was quite a few clicks around it in, mm. in the team. Do you remember sort of much about this particular time with Chelsea? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you're such a young lad, you don't really notice the whole politics of it all, really, I don't think. Um, but it probably was. John's probably right there. And he was obviously coming from another, you know, come from Ireland and it was obviously a bit more, a bit more difficult to settle and stuff. But yeah, there was probably, he's probably right. There probably was a few clicks, whether it's London or Scotland or whatever, you know, it was... Um, but when you're not doing well, there's always finger pointing, isn't there? That's the problem. Um, and we did we get relegated through the playoffs that year? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I think I played. I don't know whether I played. I believe. Hang on. I've got did I play in the stats. first game, I've the first the playoff game? Here. I didn't play in the Middlesbrough game. I remember that. You came on against Middlesbrough 
in the playoff where we won one nil, but it wasn't enough. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, obviously, it was a learning curve for me as a young lad to mm. see um, to see senior players struggle um, and the club struggle as a whole from results and stuff. I mean, there were some good players there still at the time. It just didn't have that. We probably just didn't have enough good players. You know, good players to get us through at that stage. And I think we're a little bit unfortunate, to be honest, to be where we were. But, you know, it's, it's it's part of the history and you kind of learn from it. But as a young lad, like I say, you just kind of look at it and learn and and, and hopefully the next season is going to be a little bit different, you know. Well, the following campaign in, in the second division under Bobby Campbell, we didn't start brilliantly. There was a few sort of games where we were not getting the results and I believe we were sort of mid-table sort of around about the September time. But for you personally, what was your ambitions going into it? Was it a case of, okay, it's a different league than before, but I might be able to get more game time un- under this belt? And was you happy with your development at that stage? Yeah, definitely. Being in and around the first team, you're always happy. So it doesn't really, probably about, it doesn't matter what kind of league you're in, um, especially as a young lad. You just want to play as many games as you as you, as you can and be in and involved, you know. And obviously, we were going to be a strong team in that league. There was no doubt about it. So being in and around um, the first team squad at the time was the most important thing for me to, and it, you know, and as part of my development, you know, that's the that was key to it as well. So it was important to be in and around that. Um, and I think that the season got better off from there on in, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 because we ended up getting promoted back into the first division yeah. under the guidance of Bobby Campbell. What was yeah, your thoughts and Bobby, on Bobby as a coach? Yeah, I love Bobby. Yeah, I thought he was a great man, a great football man, great, a great character. Um, someone we looked up to as young lads, and he had faith in young lads as well, which was really important. And he brought in Peter Nicholas and Graham Roberts at the time, didn't he? That's so, right, yeah. I mean, that was... You know, that's the best thing he'd done because they were senior players and, you know, obviously Nico probably, well, about 80-odd caps or 79 caps or something for, for Wales and Graham played for Tottenham. You know, mm. Didn't hold that against him at all, but um, <laughs> but he'd been successful there and he played at Rangers. So as young lads, it was like, wow, you know, we've got some proper players here. So it was, it was invaluable for us and obviously for a team point of view with Kerry as well. I mean, you know, that's that was a strong team in that league. Ended up being a very strong team in that league, which was which was great because Bobby's a good man and, and um, was a good man, and he um, he guided us well. He guided us well in that in that particular time. He guided the club well, in fact, in, during that particular time. Was it a case of the fact that he was able to bring in the experienced players, like as you say, Peter Nicholas and Graham Roberts, along with the quality that was in that Chelsea? It was just such a good blend whereby it just everything sort of fitted together and there was results that were coming in. We beat we, we managed to beat Leeds comfortably at Stamford Bridge, if I, if I remember yeah. rightfully. You had the game against Walsall away, where I believe Dixon scored a few and Kevin Wilson scored a few yeah. this season as well. So it just sort of seemed to sort of blend quite nicely, didn't it? Yeah, he got that right. He got that right. And I think Dorigo came in and Clive like I said, Clive Wilson was at the club. Kevin Wilson, another great goal scorer. So we had a really good mix, really good. And obviously, Clarkey, myself, mm. David Lee, Damian Matthew as young lads, we, Graham Stewart as young lads. We had a, there was a really good mix of um, of kind of experience and 
and legs as well. You know, young lads that can get around and and kind of be guided into being successful, which was um, which what we ended up being, didn't we? Yeah. Now you did manage to score your first goal for Chelsea. I'm not sure if, if you remember. It was, a, I believe, it was a 30-yard screamer against Manchester United at Stamford Bridge. Um, no, it wasn't. Was it? No, it was... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no. I mean, that, it was a little tapping one out of just a one-yard tapping, but it was, yeah. it was still it was still significant. Yeah, no, how, I remember. How relieved it. was you to finally get off the mark for Chelsea? It was, it was at Stamford Bridge as well, so to score in front of. Yeah, the home supporters must have been a, a quite a thrill for you. It was great. No, it was great. I mean, I can remember it and I've seen it a few times recently. And um, the best bit about it was when I popped it through um, Steve Bruce's legs and then we were through and Kerry's had a shot and stuff, put Kerry through. And I just followed it in, really, because I didn't think it was going in. But the best bit about it is obviously I nicked the goal off Kerry. So I'm quite pleased about that. Um, he wasn't, obviously, but... Um, and I remember taking Viv Anderson into the net with me as well. And, uh, That's right. Yeah, yeah. It was just kind of, <laughs> you knew it weren't going in, so it was like, I've got to get to it. But it was just one of those things where you just you just follow up. But happy to be in the opposition, opposition box, to be honest, Keith. You know? so it was just a, <laughs> Bit of a rarity. It was good. Yeah, yeah, but a great thrill. And the fact that we won the game as well, so a massive thrill. Absolutely massive thrill. And it was a month later, you know, the hits kept on coming for you. You know, you play <laughs> at Wembley for Chelsea in the full Members' Cup final against yeah. Middlesbrough, ironically. What yeah. are your memories of that day? Um, great memories. Obviously, we won the game. Um, but I had a, I got a bit of a... It was a difficult, hard game for me because I can't remember his name, playing wide left, right-footed. I can't remember his name. Bernie Slavin, someone like that, maybe it was. Um, right. But I had a tough game. I don't know whether I played particularly well, but obviously we won the game, didn't concede, so we must have done something right. But I remember it being a fantastic day, and obviously, obviously a big, a big day for me being so young. Um, remember the free kick, great free kick from Tony, and the place being packed, which was, which was amazing. For I mean, it was a small cup really, in those terms. But again, that just shows how big. Well, obviously Middlesbrough, big club, but how, you know, how big Chelsea was still was at that time. You know, um, great support. And yeah, it was a massive thrill, massive thrill. And um, the trouble is with those days, you kind of, they're a bit of a blur because you're so focused on the game. It's just, it's not just another game, obviously, but the actual game going on, you don't really remember too much about it, but you remember kind of afterwards. And I remember, I don't think there was a, I think there was a do Ken Bates laid on in, in Grosvenor Square or something like that for for uh, the players and friends and stuff like that. But I, no, I remember not going. I remember for whatever reason, I couldn't be bothered to go. So me and my girlfriend, my wife now, we just went for a curry over in, um, we're at home just outside Woking. And we were sitting, sitting in the curry house about three, two hours later after we'd won, just having a curry and a beer. That's, that's, that was me all over really. Because like, if I didn't fancy something, doing something afterwards, I was like, no, nah, come on, let's just let's go. But obviously, it was great to win that, um, and good for the lads as well. You know, it was a good boost for the lads. And there's some good players in there, like people like John Bumpster and that playing at Wembley and winning again, and like he did against Man City that time. Good players, some good players, and uh, it was a really great day out. Really great day out. Great curry too. Would you say that was sort of the highlight of the season? You know, not just to be back in the first division, but to have that Wembley mm. appearance and. Or, or be it, all right, the full Members' Cup isn't a, a big trophy, but it's a trophy nonetheless. And it was something that 
Mm. You know, I've sometimes speak to the Chelsea fans now at Stamford Bridge, and they still talk about that particular time. Yeah, I, I think it was important, as little as it may seem now. I think it was important at the time because I suppose the club, if 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 Bobby hadn't signed those particular players and we jumped as expected it back straight away, I think I don't know where the club would have gone from there. You know, um, so I think it was an important time. Um, Bobby's made the right decisions, um, and you know, to be successful and get yourself out of the league. I think it was a record number of points we got as well. Is that right? I believe so, yes, at, at the time. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's at the time, yeah. So um, that was a massive achievement. And obviously winning at Wembley as well, brilliant. So I think it was important that Chelsea bounce back straight away and then kind of you find a bit of stability, hopefully, when you go up in the following season. And it was the 1991 season that you pretty much established yourself as a regular for Chelsea. You was, you, you know, you was on one of the first names on the team sheet, it, it seemed, based on the stats. Yeah. Did you feel that you was able to make that right-back spot your own because Steve Clark didn't play many games that, that particular period? And yeah. there was a number of games where we was actually getting some decent results as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think when you get a run in the side, you get you get the faith of the manager and the faith of the lads that are playing with. And yeah, that was a particularly good run for me. Um, so yeah, I mean that was a, a highlight. Having a, a long run of games is it was a massive highlight for me in my career, especially at Chelsea. So mm-hmm. yeah, but like I say, it's, it's the faith in the manager. So you must be playing, you must be doing all right, Keith. You know, you must be playing well and, and stuff. So that's that's that was the pattern the back I needed to keep going forward. But football being so fickle at that time and Chelsea being a bit of a fickle club, we didn't know which way things were going. It was an up and down. So you didn't know what was coming the following season, you know. So you had to take, you had to grab it with both hands and play as many games as you possibly can and enjoy it at that time, which I did. I I certainly enjoyed that season for sure. And there was a change at the end of that season. Bobby Campbell would leave and Ian Mm. Waterfield would take over. Mm. Was there a bit of shock amongst the Chelsea squad at the time and what do you remember of that situation? Yeah, I think there was surprise at the time. There was surprise at the time. Yeah. Um, partly surprise and then obviously you, put, you throw Batesy into the mix as well. So then there's no surprise. You know, so it's kind of, <laughs> you know, could be brutal at times. So I, I don't know the reasoning behind Bobby. Obviously the results probably being the key factor. I don't know how things panned out there, but um, yeah, we were surprised and, and disappointed as well. Disappointed because Bobby was, like I say, he was a good man and a great football man and a great character as well. And um, I think you need to be that as a, as a manager. And uh, he was he was one of the best for me and other lads as well. So um, uh, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a surprise. It was a surprise, Keith, to be honest. Now, I was going through my research. I was sort of having a look at the stats and I was having a look at certain news and notes. Is it true that shortly after the appointment and Ian Porterfield came in with the, you know, the first couple of weeks that you asked to leave the club? Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was, I kind of not fickle, but I was, um, yeah, probably at, at that stage you felt that you'd done all right and things were changing. It was another change of manager again. I probably felt, I can't remember too much about that, to be fair, Keith, but I probably did. Um, and it, it, 
it was probably part of my character as well, a bit, um, bit headstrong maybe, you know, at that time. Um, I'm sure David and Graham would back me up on that, as in being a, a little bit morose when I was a younger player. Um, but yeah, I probably went in there and asked to leave. Yeah, probably. I know there was a bit of interest from a couple of other clubs at that time. Um, but nothing really came of it, I don't think. Well, it obviously didn't. No. <laughs> but it wasn't until 92, so going sort of pretty much six months after this particular event, that you would then mm. come back into the fold at Chelsea and start playing yeah. regularly. At any point in that time, did you speak to Ian about the lack of first-team football? Was there any issues between yourself and him in terms of playing and in terms of what he wanted out of you? No, not really. I mean, I I think the problem was is obviously Clarkie had a good run in the in the side, and once you don't play for two, when do you when you've played so many games and then you don't play for two or three months, it's like, well, where am I going from here? You know. So, and I suppose as a young lad, you you just want to feel wanted, you know. And I think um, probably wasn't feeling that at the time. Um, Ian was no problem. I had no problem with Ian. He's another great football man and a great great player in his time, and a good manager. Um, so. Yeah, maybe I had to bite the bullet a little bit and, like I say, got back into the fold a few months later um, and just carried things on from there, really. But probably a little blip where I got a little bit of ahead of myself and, um, like I say, a bit headstrong and a bit morose. So, yeah. But experiences. experience, Another life experience, Keith, you know? Well, speaking of life experience, it sort of leads me on to my next question. You're... Only sending off for Chelsea was in a 1-0 win against <laughs> Everton in the League Cup. Yeah. Um, there seemed to be a little bit of controversy sort of surrounding it. And there seemed a little bit of, um, uh, what's the word I could put, a little bit of back and forth between yourself and a couple of the uh, people on the Everton bench in terms of <laughs> oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. what was said. What exactly did happen? Um, first of all, was it a sending off, well, if, if, if you remember? And secondly, what was the um, issues between yourself and the opposition's bench? Yeah, I, well, all I remember, obviously, sent off. Uh, it was a tackle against Billy Kenny, um, who was a central midfielder at the time. Um, but it was one of those one of those situations, Keith, in the game where the ball kind of ends up in no man's land, and you're both going for the ball, and you're thinking, right. And the reason I went high and smashed into him, because I thought, do you remember a lad called Barry Horn played for Southampton and Everton, yeah? Name rings a bell, yes. And Barry, he'd kick his grandmother, to be fair. So, And I knew him from Wales. So he loved the tackle. And I'm, I'm thinking, as I'm right, I couldn't see who it was, but I'm thinking, it's Barry Horn, right? So I'm thinking, I've got to look after myself here. So I've just gone way over the top and smashed into him. And as it turns out, you know, look behind, it's not even him, it's... Billy Kenny lying on the floor and it was a definite um, <laughs> it was a definite sending off but as we've walked off I think we were winning the game at the time 1-0 hmm. and yeah Howard Kendall come out of the box with a couple of other lads and they started tearing at me I didn't say a word to him all I did was just point my finger to the school board and just carried on walking um, so that was that really I can't remember what Howard said but he obviously gave me a complete mouthful but hope touch wood I mean you know we won the game one 0 but I would have felt awful if we'd lost the game because it wasn't a, it wasn't a great decision, but it was more of a self preservation decision, Keith. To be honest, because if that had been Barry, Barry would have been a, probably a foot higher than I was. To be honest, 
and so he'd admit that. It's a case that. of mistaken identity then. It was a little bit, yeah, it was a little <laughs> bit, yeah, yeah. But it's funny because I speak to Graham Stewart um, regularly and David Lee and we go on, we've been on um, golf trips together recently for our 50th and stuff and uh, Graham said, you know, Howard, Howard Kendall wanted you up at Everton. So it was one of those where I thought, well, at least Howard did like it in the end, so that was quite nice. <laughs> That was, that was you made nice. an impression on him then, basically. They certainly made an impression, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on swiftly to the, sort of the end of the 92-93 season, David Webb came in on a temporary basis after Ian Porterfield got sacked. How different was it to work with David Webb? And I believe this was sort of at the point where mm. I believe David put you in as a central midfielder, as more of a creative type central midfielder. Yeah. How yeah. was that? sort of um, different for you? Again, it was because you're a young player and I loved it in midfield. I really enjoyed it in midfield. And um, Dave, again, just another one gave you the faith to play in it. And he said, like, you get yourself in there. I think Andy Townsend was playing in there at the time and John Bumstead and, and people like that. So, again, we had good, I had good players around me to learn from. But it, it was quite an easy transition for me. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, and um, Dave was just another one—a great football man, and it wasn't too—it wasn't too overcomplicated on things. Um, and he trusted you as a character to go out and do your best, um, and and that's that was a that was an enjoyable kind of. He wasn't there long, to be fair, was he? So that was that was another enjoyable spell because it was giving me something different, and I was learning something different playing central midfield, which, um, like I say, I enjoyed and and I learned from as well. And it was in that summer of 93, Glenn Hoddle came in from Swindon mm. and he brought in big changes to Chelsea. Certain players left, others came in like Gavin Peacock, for example. Mm. D- did you did you and him have any discussions about his plans for you, bearing in mind that you've been at Chelsea now for a, a few seasons, you've been playing in different positions, we're right back, left back or centre mid. Did he sort of outline his plans for you during that period? Not not individually. I don't think he did that right. with anyone individually. I don't think that was Glenn's re- um, way, really. Um, it was he came in, brought like I say, brought some great players in, and brought a different system, brought a different ideas, a different mindset as well in terms of you know things we did away from the um, looking after yourself uh, a little bit better and physios and um, bits and pieces, um, but really fresh ideas. Obviously, I think he came from Monaco at the time. So, you know, it, it was all very kind of European-based. Um, obviously, it's in place now everywhere. But at the time, it was it, it kind of changed that thinking. Um, and systems as well. And Glenn was straight into kind of playing the sweeper system because I think, you know, he played sweeper for Chelsea in those early days, didn't he? That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. so kind of wing-back. I was never a wing-back ever going to play wing-back really in terms of... I'll play there, obviously, but it's, it wasn't, you know, Clark, he was always a wing-back in in the terms of the way he played and stuff. So it was, um, yeah, a little bit different. Um, and then I played in the reserves a lot and we played the same system and I played a holding role. And I remember playing a holding role um, in the first team as well a few times. Um, and I played left back as well. And it, it just varied really. I mean, you changed systems quite a lot. You know, it was either a back four with a four, five, one. That's when... It kind of started getting a bit more technical football in um, in terms of strategies and patterns of play and stuff like that. And Glenn's obviously a very good coach and 
and he wanted to put his stamp on the on the on the side and the club, um, which he did, which he did over his time there, which was which was fantastic. We did reach the FA Cup final that season in '94, but mm. we, we got hammered against Manchester United. However, the next season we was in Europe for the first mm. time in a long, long time. It was in the Cup Winners' Cup. Mm. What was it like for you again, coming through the ranks at Chelsea in the late eighties, getting relegated into the second division to now being part of that European side in the Cup Winners Cup where we play against Austria, Memphis, I believe they were called, and then that particular game mm. against Club Bruges where you would come on, we needed to win because of the first leg we we lost and we ended up winning that game at, at Club Bruges to progress into the next stage. Yeah, amazing, amazing experiences, and it, it was almost like, you know, it, it it had come kind of full circle, and like football was like this is this is you know Chelsea had come like you say come up through the ranks, and we've jumped, dropped, gone down a division, come back at the division, we've stabilised, and now Glenn was moving it on to the next level. So, and it felt like the next level as well in terms of the teams we were playing, um, playing in Austria in that game where Spenny Spenny scored that great goal, breakaway goal. Wonderful I think goal. I, really wonderful yeah, I dislocated goal, yes. my shoulder. I dislocated my shoulder. I think just towards the end of the first half, and uh, carried on until half time. But just remembering that atmosphere and, and feeling and the preparation for the game, Glenn was like spot on for the preparation and stuff. Um, and just feeling like, you know, this is this is proper. You know, this is like a, a we're play, playing properly, European football, different style of football as well. But felt very comfortable, and it was really enjoyable to be honest. And a great experience, great experience. Obviously, not dislocating my shoulder. So I've got to half time, like I just couldn't move. <laughs> it was weird, but um, but that the whole experience of it was was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and and good for the club, good for the club, you know. And 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 that's the most important thing, really. And, and it kind of moved forward from there, didn't it? I think Hullet came the year later as well. That's right. But that particular game against Club Bruges, do you remember the atmosphere that night at Stamford Bridge? Because again, they haven't been used to European nights for a long time, you know, need, needing to win and they got the, that particular sort of scoreline needed. What was the atmosphere like to play under, especially in the, especially with European nights at, at the bridge? Yeah, amazing. Amazing. I've never, I've never experienced it before because obviously the stadium had started to change as well in terms of mm. the, the dynamics of it. So yeah, it was it was an amazing atmosphere and, a, and an absolutely fantastic result. Um, and it, looking back now, I think very important result as well, Keith. You know, I think in terms of Chelsea's history and that, I think it was really important from where they went from from that stage onwards. Um, the only way was up, really. And um, yeah, like I say, it was a fantastic night and a great atmosphere and a fantastic result. Now, your last goal for Chelsea, and I've, funny enough, I saw the highlights of this last night when I was doing my research, <laughs> came in a thrilling game against Bolton. Now, this one was a cracking goal. <laughs> Left-hand side, but you, it was your right foot against against Bolton. Would yep. you say, looking back, based on your career, that that was probably your best goal? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, to be fair, <laughs> Keith. I think I'd safely say that was my best goal here, definitely. Um, yeah, I remember that night. I played left back, I think, yeah. And um, yes. Dan Prochesky cut in. I just, I don't know, found myself on the edge of the box and he's rolled me a nice ball and, um, yeah, bent in the top corner. He always used to do that in training, so it was, it was no surprise to me. No, no, I'm joking. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great finish. But on that night, I think David Lee scored in the same game. 
um, for Chelsea. That's right. And and I know Graham Stewart played for Everton that night and scored as well. So we always talk about that kind of that night of goal scorers, which was quite nice because we're obviously quite close. So it was, uh, mm. it was uh, yeah, it was good, memorable. Like I say, just another another good game at the Bridge. You know, like I say, and it was changing at the time. You know, obviously the Matthew Howding stand was up at the time, and stuff was other stuff was getting built. So it was um, it was it was a, a really good time to kind of uh, to be there. You know. Did the players sort of feel that something was changing within the club based on, as you said, you just mentioned about the stadium being redeveloped. Mm. You then have like the West End sort of later on being redeveloped. Did you sort of sense that something big was happening? Although league-wise we were still inconsistent, we weren't sort of challenging for the title, but building blocks were there to the point where Chelsea could potentially be one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, very much. So obviously, you know, um, recruitment was was changing as well, wasn't it? So we're bringing in international footballers, good international footballers at the time. You know, Mark Hughes, Dan Petrescu, people like that. So it was it was starting to change. So obviously, there was a stream of money that was 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 um, you know into the club, which was good. And the stadium was changing, and the player recruitment was changing. And um, for it to get better, that needed to happen. Needed to happen. You know, whether, you know, I stayed or anyone stayed, it, it, you, things progress, things progress. And, and that club needed to progress at the time. And Glenn was moving it forward as, as best he could. Um, and then when it came out of his hands, the next manager moved it on as well, didn't he? So, um, yeah, it was it was a good time. And you sensed it. You did sense it. Things were changing. Yeah, for sure. But for the better, Keith, you know. It was an early... February 96 that you joined Sunderland on a permanent transfer after initially mm. joining on loan there. The fee, I believe, was around £300,000. What was the factors mm. behind this move? Uh, factors. Probably because of the change at Chelsea, really, and you didn't know where I was going to fit in. Um, and I've been there, I left at 25, 26, I think, 25. So I've been there, you know, the best part of 10 years, Keith. And you just sometimes as a player, you you make that, you know, it's time to move on a little bit, you know. Um, I just got married, just had our first daughter and everything was changing. And I just needed a fresh challenge, a fresh challenge and some new faces. And and that was, and I knew it was going to come at the time. I know, knew I was never going to stay at Chelsea forever. So you know, it was a nice age to leave at 25, 26. So um, the opportunity to move to Sunderland. I spoke to Peter Reid. Obviously, went up there on loan to start with to have a look, and they looked at me, and I looked at them, and obviously discussed it with with my wife. And um, but speaking to Peter, he was he was different class. You know, he was a proper proper football person and a and a great guy. Um, someone I still speak to now, and um, it's um, it was it was a, a good. It seemed a good move at the time for me, and it was. Um, sad to leave Chelsea obviously and things were changing but things were changing fast in terms of player recruitment so you didn't know really where you were going to be in terms of the pecking order so I just made that decision made that decision to go um, and again you know I had fantastic, like I say, a fantastic time at Chelsea don't regret leaving at that point um, felt it was right um, and like I say went to Sunderland and had two or three really good years there with some really good players again. So I was lucky at a massive football club. So I was, I was really fortunate, Keith. Now, it would be many years later that you would put the Chelsea shirt back on 
and appear for the Chelsea Old Boys around right about the sort of 2010-2011. Right. Uh, alongside the likes of you know players that you've sort of played with, like Ken Munkow, Dave Besson, and others like Gary Chivers. Yeah. How much fun was that to be part of? Yeah, I mean that's that's been good. I mean, and, and hats off to to um, Gary Chivers for that really because he got myself involved and Dave involved, uh, Dave Lee involved. Um, after we packed up, and there was a, there was a route back into kind of reconnecting with ex players and stuff like that. So I mean, he started that off, which was fantastic, and uh, it, it it blossomed. We don't do it so much now, but it blossomed into something really special because it was great to meet up two or three times a summer and catch up and play in the game, create a bit of money for charity, but also be in the dressing room and just have the same crack and laugh and same old jokes come out, Keith, you know. But um, it's it. It's just a really good way to reconnect and important as well. And and um, so, yeah, that, they're, they're good games. We don't do them so much now, which is a shame. But um, mind you, we're all a little bit older, but probably last about 15 minutes. But <laughs> yeah, but that, that was good. That was good. And like I say, we get, we we played probably from, the, I think, 2010 onwards. We played probably three or four games every summer, really, for quite a while. Um, but hats off to the club as well. And the owner Abramovich at the time, obviously he set up the past players trust, which was very important. Um, we have a box we can go into a couple of times a year at Chelsea, which is fantastic. And we, you know, we're able to buy tickets, a couple of tickets, you know, at the right time. So, you know, looking after ex players as a club um, is really important. And um, I think Chelsea get it spot on, to be honest, really good. Cause I know that they've you know paid for certain, operations to ex-players going back into the 50s and stuff so it's really important and um, like I say it's part of the history you know in in whatever way we are part of the history but it's nice to be you know recognised and being able to do those things and go up to the bridge and and still watch games which I really enjoy you know and what's it like being sort of going to Chelsea matches sort of being part of that particular era do you still get recognised quite a bit when you're at the bridge um, now and again, yeah. When I get the train from Woking, you get a few people going up there, and you kind of get a you get a nod and a wink, you know, um, and recognise you and say hello and stuff, which is nice, really nice. Hmm. Obviously, older guys now, so it's a couple of generations on in it. So, um, but yeah, I, I love going up there. I, I, I'd go up to every game if I could, but obviously, work um, doesn't permit that. But uh, I love going up there, seeing Gary and, and Dave and. John Bumpson and Colin Page, they, they do the hospitality stuff for the, the club, which is fantastic. And Kerry, of course. So it's great catching up and ex-players that go into the box and people you haven't seen for, you know, best part of 30 years. So it's good. I enjoy it. And um, very lucky, you know, we're very lucky that we're able to do it. But I think it's important. I think it's important. And, uh, you know, you don't know what road people have been down either. You know, everyone's travelled a different road since they packed up playing and whatever they've gone through in their life and people are struggling, you know, some people struggle and we've all struggled in the past and stuff. So it's, it's great to reconnect and chat through those times. And, um, you know, if you can help anyone, you know, that's, that's important as well. So it's good. Just a couple of more questions, Gareth, um, before we wrap this up and I want to talk about current events and one little aspect (laughs) of football that, I'm very glad it didn't happen in the 80s and 90 because I think people would have just completely gone off football. I can't see Dennis Wise ever liking this. Was VAR. Now, a lot of people, 
are against it. Some people are sort of thinking that it's the people behind VAR that's the problem, like you know the the officials that you get at Stockley Park. But what's your um, overall thoughts on VAR? Are you happy for it to stay, or do you think it needs to be tweaked or just gone? Well, I mean, unfortunately, I think it's it, it's here to stay. Um, I think it could be watered down. I think you're taking a lot of um, emphasis away from the referee's decisions at that particular time on the pitch. I understand it for offsides. I think if it was just there for offsides, goal line, and you know penalty decisions, brilliant. But if it's getting involved in other parts of the game, you know, as it does do, I just it's just slowing the game down. And I don't know whether the supporters. I mean. They must affect the supporters when they're having to wait to cheer for a goal. Yeah. You know, like last night, I mean, Casemiro scored for Man United, didn't he? And he was clearly offside. But they've celebrated and then you stop for like two or three minutes to wait for a decision. Then they've celebrated again. So it, I think you're losing something. You're definitely losing something with it. Um, so, unfortunately, I think it's here to stay. Technology obviously can help, but it can hinder. And I think it's just taking away that that personal element, you know, why is the ref out there? You know, he's making, you've got to make these decisions and sometimes, and the penalty decisions, again, I think they can, because he's not going to be able to see everything, is he, the, the referee on the, on the, the one referee on the pitch. And I, I, just, I don't know, I don't know what the answer would be to change it. I don't think it will get changed. I think it's probably, I say it's going to be here, but I think it does take something away and it waters it down a little bit and, you know, you're turning into every game's like 98 minutes now at least, isn't it? So, um, but again, I don't think it's affecting the games are good. I think there's some fantastic games out there. But when they get involved too much, everyone's kind of like, oh my God, can you just get on with the game, please? You know, it's one of those, isn't it? Um, so it's frustrating. I find it at VAR very frustrating, but I understand why it's there. So, but I, I really don't know whether whether it's going to change, but I don't think it will, will it? What do you think? I'd like to. I'd like to think it would change in terms of trying to stop the delay in making a decision. You know, if there's could be a, like a time limit in making the decision, and in terms of what was it used for in certain offside decisions, mm. it's very very questionable. You know, whether it's yeah a finger offside or a tie. Yeah. Very, very sort of questionable. But I've, you know, I've, I've been saying this to a few people now when I've been going to the games that it just seems that it's unfortunately part of well, how they see as football as the entertainment side. You know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. drama. Yeah, I yeah. don't think fans want that. Yeah. Fans want the correct decisions, but they want common sense decisions yeah. not to try and create yeah. further issues but we'll see we'll see how it goes yeah I, and I think a big factor of it as well because the stakes are so high as well Keith that's what I find obviously it's in and they want to get the decisions and they don't want anyone to be accountable for to making the wrong decision sending the club getting relegated or not making the Champions League final or something yeah. like that you know the stakes are so high that they obviously feel that we need to get this absolutely correct because the money factor is huge isn't it you know money factor and people's jobs on the line as well yeah, yeah, most definitely, yeah. most definitely, yeah, yeah. But speaking of people's jobs on the line, we'll talk about <laughs> current Chelsea. Now, mm. 
you know, obviously you you've been you've been to some games as well. You know, there's been a lot of change at Chelsea over the last twelve yeah. months. You know, this time last year, Roman was still in charge. Thomas Tuchel mm. was still manager. We were heading into two cup finals. Now it just complete change. We've had sort of new players come in in the January window. Hasn't hit it off yet. Obviously, they're taking its time. Mm. What's been your thoughts on this current day, Chelsea? And do you think that Graham Potter is the right man for the job? And if he is, can he yeah. can he bring some success to the club? Yeah, well, well, first of all, I, I think Potter, he can do well and has done well in the Premier League. Um, obviously, it was with Brighton, not with Chelsea. But I think if you, you can win games in the Premier League, I don't think that's going to make him, these results have made him a bad manager. Um, I think you need a little bit of luck as well. But my biggest concern, and it's a big worry really, is that the new ownership have come in and they've bought so many players, Keith. And I just think there's no way Potter's gone, I want no 16 players. Do you know what I mean? No, so those players have been, surely they've been bought over his head. And does he need those players? So are the owners saying to Potter, we're going to buy all your players and you crack on and train them, coach them and get some results for us. Is that If that's the remit, and for me, that's like, that's a red flag. That's a red flag because they're not football people. Um, and, you know, if they're making decisions on based on AI and stuff like that, then, you know, it's, it is a worry. It is a worry. And they buy, obviously they're good, fine young players and stuff, brilliant. But they've not played in the Premier League. You know, why didn't they go and buy Palinho from Fulham? The kid's unbelievable. Fantastic footballer. You know, it's just stuff like that that worries me. I don't, you know, you're flooding the club with all these players. And again, you know, where's the identity? That's the, that's the other thing is, are we going to lose our identity from the academy with young homegrown players? You know, if you're a 17 year old at Chelsea now and you've seen they've just bought 16, whatever it is, players, where, am I going to get in their first team? I don't think where's I am. Halfway? Yeah. yeah, exactly. If you start blocking pathways, you know, you're going to lose all your young players and they're going to struggle in the academy and they're going to have, and the results are going to reflect that. Um, so, from, so, and again, you're losing your identity, you know. Um, Mason Mount's been subbed recently. Is he going to get back in the first team? Chelsea needs that. You know, every club needs their little bit of identity from, from you know, grassroots and young players coming through, you know. So that's the big worry for me, the big worry. Whether he turns it around or not, I don't think it's so much Potter. I bet his training is brilliant and stuff like that. And he's got players to choose from. It's just, as a group, getting that chemistry right on the pitch on a Saturday that they can turn it into into wins. Obviously, they're a talented group, aren't they? But it's just being able to, you know, get everything on a Saturday afternoon or Sunday, whatever it is, kind of clicking at the right time. And I mean, they started off well against Tottenham. And I'm thinking, you know what? If we score first here, we could we could have a good day. But as soon as we didn't score, after about 15, 20 minutes, when they started getting back into it, then there was like, oh, which way are we going to go now? And we've never had that in the past. You know, if, like when even when Frank took his team there and they won, you know, we started really sharp, scored goals and bang, bang, bang. And you think we're all on top of them. You know, they were waiting to get beat, but we couldn't put the ball in the net. And then all of a sudden, game changes, they score first. And then it's back onto the Potter story. So I feel for him in that way, but I'm sure he's a good man and a good. And he still is a good manager. It's just 
circumstances that might be out of his control, Keith, possibly? What do you think? I don't think he's helped himself, personally. I think that question, yeah. I think questions should be asked about the board, about their decision-making a little bit. Mm. You do look at certain signings that we've made. The lad from Villa that we spent £20 million on, yeah. he's hardly featured. Why? Um, I get the recruitment process. I get that we've got people behind the recruitment side, you know, the the chap from Leipzig, and we've got a couple of others from Brighton. But it just feels like we've stockpiled these players and just given them to Potter and go, right, here you go. And as you say, coach them. Mold, mold yeah. them into a team. Well, if you've got players that are not even playing and certain players that, whether or not people like it or not, perhaps have down tools and certain players not being treated right and has probably caused a bit of a stir in the dressing room, that hasn't helped the situation at all. And I don't mm. believe I don't believe Potter can get it right. I think that the job's too big for him right. based on so many issues that have ha- that has happened since Todd and his band of misfits have turned up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, I see your I see your point of view, mate. Yeah. I, and it's um it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's a tricky one to put into place because I don't think you know, typical Chelsea, it's never really it's never happened at another club really, something like this. You know, what happened last year with losing Abramovich and the way it happened and the reasons for it. It's um it's an unknown to everyone, isn't it? It's an unknown. Well, it's yeah. certainly never dull to support Chelsea. That is for sure. It's not. I don't believe there's been a season where it's ever been quiet and just been Absolutely a not. through. It's not been one of them. But final question, Gareth. And again, thanks yeah. very much for coming on to the show. How how do you look back on your time at Chelsea? Oh, with great fondness, Keith. Great fondness. Yeah, um, I've got lifetime friendships with people that you know that I played football with. Um, great memories. Um, and wherever you go, you're kind of, you know, you're an ex-Chelsea player. You've always got that. you always got that, you know. So I'm very lucky that way. Um, so, yeah, with great fondness. And uh, I just wish the club well. And and hopefully they can keep progressing and keep winning trophies and, and make sure that the right people are in the right places for that to happen. Um, but like I say, I just hope they keep their identity a little bit and, and just keep things moving forward from a kind of a, an English players and youth players and keep them coming through the, the ranks as well because I think that's very important for a club. Well, Gareth, it's been great to have you on the show. I appreciate your time and obviously good luck with your team that you're coaching with at the moment and hopefully we'll get to see you down at the bridge quite soon as well before the end of the season. Thanks, Keith. Thank you very much for your time. Brilliant. Thank you. Podcast Network.